This is the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. You're listening to Season 7, and every week this season will bring you content about making disciples. Discipleship.org brings together like-minded organizations who are focused on making disciples, and our goal is to help you become a Jesus-style disciple maker. You're about to listen to a podcast episode from an organization called Discipleship for Women, which is led by Joanne Kraft. And this is one part of a four-episode series, and you should know about a related resource to all these, which you can download for free. It's a sample of a book called Dedicated, Training Your Children to Trust and Follow Jesus. This resource helps mothers and fathers disciple their kids at home, and it's available for free at discipleship.org slash ebooks. Today's episode is called Practically Simple Disciple Making, featuring Kathy Dupree. Take a listen. I want to introduce you to Kathy Dupree, and I could go on and on and I won't. I promise she's got a lot to share with you, but I want you to be very loving and I want you to laugh very hard because she's very funny and clap very loud for no reason because it took a lot for me to get her here. (laughs) She is someone who disciples me. She is an amazing lady, and I'll tell you, every once in a while, you get to belong to a church where there's some women there that just make a difference, and I I think you women are those women, because you're here, you're trying to learn to do that. So I I want you to just put your hands together for an amazing woman, Kathy Dupree. Thank you, Joanne. Um, I spoke not too long ago, and... After the message, this lady came up to me and she said, great message, what color lipstick are you wearing? (laughs) I thought, you know, let's just clear up some things before I even go. I'm 71. I've been married to this man back there for 50 years. I mean, the same man for 50 years. And you know how people say, oh, 50 years, he just flies by. 50 years is a very long time. (laughs) I have eight grandchildren. I'm just wearing glasses again. They're from Costco. My sweater is from Marshalls. And these boots, they're really cute. They're from Costco. And I think they still have some. So take a big breath. I'm going to because we've got a lot to cover in the next few minutes. In 2004... Matt Emmons competed in the Olympic competition in Athens, Greece, and he was a four-time national rifle championship from the University of Alaska. He was a favorite to win in this competition. Well, he raised his gun. This is how girls raised the gun. And um, he prepared to fire, but he missed his target. He shot from lane two, but he ended up hitting the target in line three. Well, fast forward four years. He also competed in the rifle competition at the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. All he had to do for the gold medal was to hit the target somewhere near the center. He aimed and registered zero. Again, he aimed at the wrong target, the one next to him. What is your target? And I think today it's discipleship. Where are you aiming with your ministry? 
Are you practically simple in your discipleship uh, ministry? You know, discipleship can happen everywhere. And not everyone is ready for a discipleship group, but everyone can join you for coffee or for lunch. And we're going to talk about some simple steps from let's do lunch to let's dig deep into learning how to conform to the image of Christ. Um, on Mother's Day this past May, it's always in May, of course, but um, our church provided these plants. And it was a very interesting plant. It's called Mother of a Thousand. And as you look closely, you see each leaf has a little plantlet on it. And it's the most interesting plant I've ever seen. And so it's the little plantlets, that's my cell phone, and those are little plantlets. And you just take those and put them in the dirt, and you'll have another plant. It's very invasive. But this is a picture of discipleship. Those plantlets are already there. All you have to do is put them in the dirt and let them grow. We can literally be a mother of a thousand as we walk, as we talk, as we breathe. Can you see the potential of this in our lives? If we just take what's on us, around us, and go for that. Um, I have five steps to be practically simple disciple makers. And I gave you a note sheet, so uh, if anything makes sense, just jot that down. But you must trust and follow Jesus yourself. That sounds so elementary, but it's so powerful. You must become a disciple. We have to be lifelong learners. Takes a lot of work. 1 Timothy 4.15 Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We moved to Franklin in 1979, 40 years ago this December. And we moved from Detroit, and things were different here 40 years ago. Uh, my husband Tony's sitting in the back. I told him I was going to pick on him a little bit this morning, but it gets better as we go. <laughs> but he was advancing in his career, and I was trying to be the perfect wife to five-year-old twins and a four-year-old. And Tony was a very successful businessman. And before moving to Franklin, uh, he had been going to school full-time and working full-time. And we had three babies. And so life, life was kind of difficult. And then when he finished the Bachelor's of Administration degree, he went on to get an MBA in finance. And after that, he said, I think I'll go get a law degree. And I said, well, that would be with another wife. <laughs> So anyway, we, we moved here. We moved to uh, Franklin. And, boy, marriage was hard. It, it wasn't what I thought. I thought you'd get married and have children and everybody's happy and fun and found it wasn't that much fun. But so being new, lonely to the area, I didn't know anybody. Um, I had become an angry woman. I mean, I, I had, this had developed over the years. We looked really good on the outside, 
we had three little blonde-headed children. We could go places, and everyone was like, oh, isn't that really sweet, you know? But um, we had three nice kids. We had a nice house, and we had uh, nice vacations. We were basically just nice people. <laughs> well, as Tony moved up into his company, he was pretty consumed with work. And the anger problem that I had was real. <coughs> Didn't take much to set me off. Well, since we were new to Franklin, one of my neighbors, who was also a kindergarten mom, uh, she invited me to a baby shower. And she thought, well, you know, this would be a good way to get, for you to get to know some people. And these women were so nice. It's like, there has got to be something wrong with them. <laughs> but you know what? I was attracted to them. They had something that I did not have. So a couple of weeks later, she invited me to a Bible study coffee. And my first reaction was like, oh, no, 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 thank you. I had um, been in church from the day I was born until the day I got married. And I said, a church didn't work for me. I'm not going. Well, I mentioned this uh, invitation to the Bible study coffee to Tony, thinking that he would say, no, don't go. And you know what he said? He said, Kathy, I think you should go. I don't think it would hurt you. <laughs> Remember, I had an anger problem. I was pretty mad on that. Well, we were studying First uh, John about how God loved us. And, you know, I, I understood that part about Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. But in that Bible study, I realized that my sins put Jesus on the cross. He died for me. And I was so cut to the heart. But that was the beginning of me trusting and following Jesus. But since Tony thought I should go to this Bible study, I thought, I'm just going to do my lessons out loud at night. <laughs> and I did. And he would say, those things are not in the Bible. And I said, well, it's right here. Well, in self-defense, he cracked open, literally cracked open a Bible. You know how a new book just goes... <laughs> so he got this Bible when he was drafted into the Army, and he thought he was going to have to go to Vietnam. And so I think he would carry it with him, like, wherever he was moved around and all that, but never was it opened. So as I continued to study the Bible, my behavior changed. There was a dramatic change. The anger was getting softer. There's niceness in our home. Well, because of the significant changes, he thought, you know what? There must be something to this Bible study thing. So after reading the New Testament six times, he too put his trust into Jesus Christ. This was the beginning of discipleship. This is my first one. And it's made a huge, huge difference. So invite people into what you're already doing. Someone invited me to a non-threatening baby shower. That developed an entry-level relationship with me, and then she invited me to this Bible coffee. And I say coffee because that was a real draw for me. As you see, there's coffee on your little page. Um, but, you know, this lady had no idea that I was an angry woman. I had marital problems. I had parenting problems. She didn't have a clue that her simple step of reaching out to me, 
here I am 40 years later, almost 40 years later, speaking to you because of her boldness in inviting me to something she was already doing. And people had told Tony that he was what he was supposed to believe his entire life, so he wanted to know the truth for himself. So he went to a Christian university. Um, he received a Master's of Biblical Studies. Instead of the law degree, he got the Master's of Biblical Studies, which really was a good idea. And his profession is in finance, but his passion is in teaching God's Word. And he's an excellent, excellent teacher. So to explain his faith, uh, his family was very much against uh, us becoming Christians. And so he wrote uh, a little booklet to explain his, his uh, faith, and it's called There is a Way That Seems Right to a Man from Proverbs 14, 12. And you know it, obviously, whoever wrote Proverbs was a man. Because there's a way that seems right to a man, but there's a way that is right to a woman. <laughs> Meet people where they are. And so he was disciple number one, and then together we started discipling our three children. And I mentioned earlier, I grew up in church. I got my first spanking at church. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, but I went through all the motions of going to church, but somehow I missed the part about becoming a follower of Jesus. Going to church without a relationship with Jesus is like um, being in church like a flat Stanley. You know who flat Stanley is? I think it's like second or third grade, and it's this boy. They did a whole series of books on him. And he fell asleep, and a bulletin board fell on him and squished him down about half an inch. And so he went on all these adventures and all these journeys, he was there, but he's not really there. And then when he got really tired of being flat, his brother pumped him up with a bicycle pump to his original shape. <laughs> so uh, when I came to faith in Jesus Christ, I literally was filled with the Holy Spirit. God seriously breathed life into me. You know, we can only act on what we believe. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. Do you know who you really are? What is your identity? We're going to watch a little video clip from The Princess Diaries. It's my absolute favorite movie in the whole world. And Julie Andrews is the grandmother, and Anne Hathaway is her granddaughter. So let's watch this, and then we'll talk a little bit. Okay, um, Julie Andrews, obviously the queen, and she announced to Mia that her father who died when she was a young child was heir to the throne. So now Mia is an heir to this throne. She has a new identity. She is royalty. She has been given a new name. Mia's grandmother, the queen, said that Mia was royalty through blood. We have become royalty through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we become Christians, we are new creations. We have a new identity. We are royalty. We are daughters and sons of the king, King Jesus. That's what this whole uh, weekend is about. Once Mia realized 
who she was, everything changed. Her appearance, her speech, her attitude, her goals. Mia's grandmother said, I'll provide resources for you, books, how to study them. Um, She was going to teach her how to walk, how to talk, and how to grow into this new identity. Is this not a picture of discipleship? That's why I love this movie. (laughs) So once I began uh, to understand my new identity, I prayed for what do we do next? Well, we needed to find a church. Twins were now six, and Lori was five. They knew nothing of the familiar Bible stories that kids that age should know. And unfortunately, my mother-in-law did not know them either. And she taught them this little story about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, and pinch me hard, went to the river to bathe. Adam and Eve got drowned. Who do you think got saved? Well, obviously, it was pinch me hard. And the kids would laugh, and they thought that was the funniest thing. Well, let me tell you, we had a long, long way to go with this (laughs) church thing. So, like, what are we going to do? So, we found a Bible-teaching church, and another young family came to the church about the same time, and they had kids the same age as of ours. And my friend Sherry Stacy is in the back row. She called me the other day just out of blue. It wasn't out of blue. God had her call me. And I said, why don't you just come today? Well, they invited us to a Bible study in their home. And I probably, it was probably in Acts. And um, so we would study, and then we'd switch back and forth. And we did this for several years. But they were our training wheels for this new bicycle that we were on until we could ride on our own. And we learned from them hospitality. We learned how to serve. We learned how to follow Jesus. But I will tell you, we were a real challenge to them. They were Tennessee natives. We were northerners. They knew how to do everything. We didn't know how to do anything. We had to learn how to eat southern food, um, how to dress. I mean, it was, it was a trip for them. But anyway, we did the Sunday school thing and the youth group, and the kids were, they went on retreats and mission trips. And, you know, we did the, the regular devotionals, trying to get them up to speed with the way that um, at age six, knowing nothing. But um, just to, to tell you how God redeemed the years the locusts had eaten, he baptized all three of our children, and he has baptized six of our eight grandchildren. And those, that's, that's what matters. Um, step two, if you're taking notes, is learn to be a disciple. And learn is in the Bible many, many times. I have recently stepped out of leadership, 30 years of leadership in community Bible study. And it is a uh, national, international ministry. And in the United States, there are about 100,000 men, women, and children in in in-depth Bible study. And there are more than that around the world. Apparently, Africa is just popping with classes starting up over there. But um, God called me in to do more ministry in our church, and so um, I stepped out of that. But their mission statement is to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ in our communities through in-depth Bible study available to all. They have a very effective method of discipleship and shepherding. 
And this is what I call the barrel of monkeys disciple making. They, please note, they don't say that, but I do. And, and what it is, we should always be reaching up to a mentor or someone who will disciple us and always reaching down to pull somebody up. And we're all connected. This is so, so important. We need to be lifelong learners. I know you're here because you have a heart for disciple-making. But you know, for a while, I was more concerned about my roots than I was of being rooted in God's Word. There is a cost to investing in people's lives. And the only way we can do this is to really learn God's Word. And I think we're hearing this. We have got to get into the Bible. You know, and we, we need to be teachable. I think sometimes you think, oh, I've got it. I've been in all these classes. And I'm done. No. You are a soldier. You cannot retire from this fight. You can only decide how close to the front lines that you want to be. Get into God's Word so that God's Word can get into you. You can only share with others what's in your ministry toolbox. You've heard this, whatever you feed will grow. And I have been in in-depth Bible study for almost 40 years. T.C. Cannon is going to speak tomorrow morning. What time? Uh, the first session. First one. Be yep. here early so you can get a seat. Mm-hmm. She's good. Um, but she's going to teach us you know, how to study the Bible and what's, what's the discernment. How do we know what's right? How do we know what's true? And she'll have resources for us. She spoke last year and did a really great job. But you don't have to be a graduate of a Bible seminary to disciple people. Um, you can just be a practically simple disciple maker. And we've trained ourselves to have such short attention spans. It's sound bites. But tap into the stuff all down the hall. Bible studies, resources, there's so much online. Um, we've got so much available to us right now. Well, and as disciples makers, we really need discernment. There's so much in our Christian culture right now that some of it's a little off and some of it is way, way off. How can we know how to follow Jesus if we don't know what he said and how he lived and how he communicated with his Father? Jesus took time to be alone with his Father, to be replenished and to be refreshed. Have you ever thought about crafting a mission statement for yourself? I did this a few years ago. Businesses and churches do it so they can stay focused on, on what they're aiming for. They want to stay on track. What's their target? So I, it, obviously it's a very simple, this is simple today. It's a very simple personal mission statement. And I pray this every day, every morning, to love the Lord my God with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind. To love God's people well, and to do all that I can to be healthy. You repeat that. I will, okay? <laughs> it's to love the Lord my God with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my mind. That's a scripture. You're taking right out of scripture. And then to, to love God's people well. And to do all that I can to stay healthy. It's simple, and it's something that I can remember. That's key, if it's something you can remember. 
when you're driving around or you don't have to have it written down, but you've got it, you know what it is. But, and I also follow that mission statement with a scripture from Psalm, Psalm 90. Teach me to number my days aright that I will gain a heart of wisdom. And if you go down further down in that chapter, it says, establish the work of my hands. Yes, establish the work of my hands. And then I ask myself, am I investing in eternal things today, or am I spending my day in perishable things? 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. And at 71, I get it. Um, we Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Do you have a scripture that you turn to when life gets difficult, or you're discouraged? I call those anchor verses. You need to find one if you don't have one. These verses stabilize us. And I usually turn to Philippians 2, 1 through 4. And listen to the ifs in this. Okay, we're going to start with therefore. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if uh, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, and do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. (coughs) But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And you know, when I really need to reboot, I read the whole book of Philippians. And you'd think I'd have it memorized by now, but I'm still working on it. Okay, let's go to step three. We want to work in our areas of interest and influence. This um, cartoon over here says, Rover, your gift test indicates you do best at fetching and sitting at feet. But our family needs someone to sit on the branches and sing. Do you think you could handle that? (laughs) We have different gifts. God has given us different different areas to work in. Um, If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. Maybe you're an encourager. Maybe you're a big giver. But whatever it is, work in it. Do it diligently. And and there's joy. There's so much joy when we're working in the talents and gifts that God has given to us. We want to tap into our circles of interest. And again, keep in mind, circles of interest. We don't have to struggle through this. It's it's here. It's happening as we we walk around and move and uh, bring people into our lives. Um, Think about your areas of influence. I have a few. Uh, You know, you've got uh, women's ministry, transformation groups, my husband. I've got friends, home group, church, neighbors, um, tennis. There's a ministry we're going to talk about in a minute, taste. We all have these areas that we work in, and, and we're working in our gifts. There's a joy. 
But you're going to be surprised how many circles you're involved in if you take the time to do that. Just start with the places you're already doing something. Okay, I gave you a sheet to take notes on. Just flip it over to the back and draw three circles. Or squares if you want to. Um, do Just something, three. Now I want you to think for a minute the areas in your life, in your world, where you are interested, um, you're already doing it. Maybe your family, your husband, your children, your grandchildren, uh, women's ministry, discipleship groups, maybe you're on a greeting team at church, um, small groups, hospitality. Where do you do, do business? I will say Costco. It's my store. Um, but where do you exercise? So you got three things written down? Okay, now I want you to put one name in each one of those circles. One name. And now aim for discipleship and transformational relationships to begin in that circle. Those three circles. This is an easy assignment. Remember Matt Emmons at the Olympics? He lost his focus. He missed his target. Keep it simple. Sometimes, a lot of times, working with family members is the absolute hardest mission field. Amen? Amen. Even Jesus was disregarded in his hometown. I have one granddaughter who lives in the area. And when she was a junior and a senior at Brentwood Academy, uh, we had a Bible study every Tuesday for two years. And I would buy the coffee. We'd go to Starbucks over by her school where her friends would come in after uh, school. And we'd open up our Bibles and we would study. And she was not embarrassed to have her Bible open in a public place where her friends were coming up saying, Hey, Emmy, what's happening? And here I was, and she wasn't embarrassed to see me in a, a public place either, and I was really grateful for that. But you know what? Those were the sweetest times of studying with Emmy. And then have you ever felt like, have you read the Bible through? You know, how many times have you read the Bible through? That is really stressful when people would say that. It's like, well, you need to read the Bible through in a year. Well, I, I had a real problem with doing that. So at one point, I thought, you know, I'm going to try to read the Bible through for each one of my grandchildren. And so um, it's like, I'm, I'm just going to try it. Well, I got a Bible, a pink one, because the first grandchild was a girl. And you can get one camel for the boys, but find something they would like and get a good translation. Don't get a children's version, because they will grow into... Um, a regular Bible, and I used to give it to them when they were about eight. Oh, and by the way, it took me at least a year and a half to read it. I, I wasn't flying through. My goal was to read it, underline it, make notes in it, and give it to them when, when they were about eight. Well, you know, I mentioned this to one of my discipleship groups, and Jolene, my friend, is 83. She said, you know what, I am going to start reading the Bible for my brother and his wife. Now, I would think probably her brother is probably close to 83. I don't know, but somewhere up there. And so Jolene said, I'm going to start doing the New Testament 
Psalms, and Proverbs, and I'm going to see how much I can get finished before Christmas. So it's never too late to start, and it's so encouraging to me to see people at 83. There's a lady in our Wednesday Bible study who's also 83. It's the first Bible study she's ever been in. I mean, this is amazing. Um, so after I read three of the Bibles for the grandchildren, my daughter, who wasn't married, said, well, I'll never get a Bible. So, and she said, I'm not married, I'll never get a Bible. So I said, okay, I'm putting you in the next rotation. So I started reading for Lori, and amazingly, she met Mr. Wonderful. And so I, I read that through. I finished about the time Revelation was about bridesmaids luncheon. And so, yeah, so I gave her those, and then I read the next five. I mean, it, it, this isn't to keep score. It's just telling you, okay. So I finished all the kids, and my sister said, who are you going to read for next? I said, I don't know. And she said, well, maybe you could read one for me. I'm going to say this, and that she's probably going to listen to this message, but I love her so much. Would you please all pray that she will read that Bible? How about activities that you're involved in? Maybe you're in a card group, sewing group, you're hanging out at the pool, uh, mom's groups, running buddies, walking buddies. If you've got kids in sports, you spend a lot of time on the sidelines with people of like interest. Minister in those areas where you're already there. I was captain of a tennis team for three or four years, and I had developed a really good relationship with the women on my team. And we always had a good time, and they knew that I didn't put up with the drama that comes with a lot of teams like that. And so they would share things like, um, my sister just was diagnosed with cancer, Um, I had a really hard time with my children, Uh, different struggles that they would have. And so I said, well, can I pray for you? No one has ever said no. In in the last 40 years, no one has ever said, no, I I don't want you to pray for me. So we, you know, after a match or after our practice, we kind of gather together the ones who want to pray, and I would pray for them. And now every time we go to lunch, I am the official chaplain. And, and pray, um, because I've developed a relationship with them. They know I'm a Christian. So one lady was really not on board. I mean, it's like, you people are so weird. Well, okay, fine. Well, one uh, several months later, I got a call late on Saturday night, and her world had rocked. And she said, will you pray for me? That's what it's about. We have uh, another teammate who started coming to our Wednesday uh, Bible study. Another one started coming to church with us. And it's like, wow, this is really cool. And then I fell and hurt myself, and I'm not playing tennis anymore. But, um, and, you know, just where do you shop? Where do you do business? Develop relationships in these places. A lot of them are just entry level, but they can go on to be deep. Um, I've been going to Costco for 15 years. Some people think I work there. (laughs) But I used to shop for many ministries, um, churches, and you start, they know, you know. And this one lady, one cashier, um, we got to be friends, and she said, 
does your church have anything to help with addictions? And I thought she was thinking maybe I had a problem with going to Costco too much. <laughs> you can't. You just can't. And, and so I said, yes, we do. We have a wonderful Celebrate Recovery ministry at our church. And I'm not sure of the details, but I'm going to come back tomorrow. Will you be here? And I'll give you the information to contact people. And so I went back the next day, any excuse, you know, to go back to Costco. So I got in my line, in her line with a bag of chips, gave her the thing, gave her the information. Plant mother of a thousand plantlets wherever you go. You never know where those seeds are going to end up. I am a people person and a food person. And like I said earlier, whatever you feed will grow. So when people and food connect, great ministry can happen. You know, Jesus fed the 5,000. We can just feed 12. So about four years ago, eight women were standing around a conference table stuffing envelopes for a mass mailing for the very first discipleship.org. And that was the one that took place in Hendersonville. And someone said, you know, it's really hard to meet people when you're new at a church. And I said, well, then let's get together for lunch. So I sent out an email to a few people. Oops. Taste was born. And it's called Taking a Step to Encourage. And so then I made invitation cards to have for some key people on Sundays to pass out at church to invite people to join us for lunch. We've been doing this for almost four years. Well, I guess we have, four years. And it helps people to connect. We're not selling anything. We're not recruiting people for anything. Um, It's an environment that's non-threatening. And so we have people who come in, and then we, the most we've ever had is 20, and then usually it's about 12. Our ages range from 25 to 80. And um, I have these little cards. Let me show you. There's a big one of it. But it's where we meet, address, contact me, bring someone with you. So simple. And we go to restaurants where you order at the counter because um, we kind of keep the cost down. Some people can just come in for a a Coke or or a tea or something like that. Um, But I never know how many people we'll have. So we go to places where we can... Add tables. And I send out an email every Saturday to about 50 or 60 people, inviting them, come if you want to, bring somebody with you, no stress. Um, This is a place where people make connections. And it's an hour and a half once a week. I'm usually there pretty much all the time. If not, I have someone who would be the hostess for that day. But, you know, you cannot be everybody's best friend, but you can help somebody find one to make connections. And one thing we do is I always have a question. What happens with yes or no questions? They go nowhere. Yes or no questions go nowhere. So there's an art to asking questions. When you go to superlatives like, what's your favorite ice cream? What's your favorite vacation? It puts stress on people. So I just asked them, name a vacation that you enjoyed. Or, you know, 
like I said, I've been around a long time, and I've eaten a lot of ice cream. So I have to go through all those years of, oh, I ate all the, just pick one you like, you know? And that takes so much stress off people. And I'll tell you another one that's very stressful. When you ask the question, why, you can ask my husband. All I have to do is ask him why, and he takes a step back because he has to defend his answer. And so you can rephrase it with a what, a how, a who, but as soon as you go why, step back. And I'm going to give you, um, at the end, I've got a list of conversation starter questions, and they're kind of fun. I'll give you some idea of what they are. Describe a bad hair day adventure. We've all had them. <laughs> um, what good characteristic did you get from your mom or your dad? If you could take an enrichment class, what would it be? Who would you pay money to go see in a concert? Uh, what's a food that you don't eat? What's a guilty pleasure? But these are just helpful to get things started. And we found that interest, um, like love of horses or quilting or cooking or travel or sports, uh, music, hobbies, all of these things come out of this lunchtime, the lunchtime questions. The main thing is relationships are developed. And when somebody comes to church on Sunday, they have maybe 10 or 11 familiar faces, and they don't feel so alone. We do one more thing at Taste, and I give everybody a three-by-five card. We write down a prayer request for ourselves, and you, we swap them out, and you pray for one week. You know, it's not like a lifetime commitment. You only have to pray for a week. You can pray longer if you want, but you don't have to. But, <laughs> but um, some of the people don't go to our church, but they love the fellowship, and most of them have started coming to our Wednesday Bible study. Maybe their husbands don't want to come to church with us or whatever, but the women love the fellowship. Most people are not ready for a discipleship group, but everybody eats lunch. (laughs) So this is a step to move to the next level. And, you know, a different format, if it's for moms, go to the park, go to Chick-fil-A, go to the mall, the food court at the mall, go somewhere that's kid-friendly. And then um, dinner time, if you have people who work, go at dinner time or do a Saturday morning breakfast. Uh, it doesn't have to be every week. But take the initiative to do something. Taste is the easiest thing that I do every week. Start, step four, start a discipleship group. Now you have a pool to work from. At our church, we call them transformation groups or tea groups. And the goal for these discipleship groups is to transform into the image of Christ. Look for women in your circles of interest and influence who want to dig deep into God's Word. You know, maybe um, you're making relationships in your church Bible studies or um, just wherever you have some people, find out who really wants to go deeper. Our church has developed curriculum, so we don't have to come up with it. Uh, We don't have to invent things. And uh, the main thing is getting into God's Word. I have two groups right now. And it's just, it's so wonderful. I have uh, two young women, one of them is standing in the back, uh, who's our children's minister. Oh, and are you down there too? (laughs) Okay. 
But this group, these two, they're so so wonderful, and they're on staff at church, and so they need to be in a special, safe place. And so we meet every Wednesday, and they're learning how to be wives and moms and working with other people, and we have the best time, and we meet for an hour and a half every Wednesday. And then I have another group. It's an older group. And Jolene is in that group, and she's 83. And then we got some, um, the rest of them are a little bit younger than me. But they're dealing with different issues. They're dealing with their own aging, uh, their own health. Uh, They've got adult children problems. But you know what? We're using the same curriculum in both groups. And it's making a change. It's transforming our women. We always need to be lifelong learners. And you're going to hear this afternoon uh, from Joanne about transformation groups and more of the discipleship thing, and you're going to love this. And then tomorrow, Michelle Eagle is going to speak um, on some shepherd care and and how do we uh, take care of our people. Our goal as disciple makers is summed up in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, were being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Step number five, stay spiritually hydrated. And that goes from Psalm 1, right? What happens when you get to the top of the food chain or the food pyramid? Maybe it's the bottom of the food pyramid. I don't know. But you have become a spiritual parent or a spiritual grandparent. You're leading tea groups. You're leading women's ministry groups. You're drinking coffee. You're eating lunch. You're taking food to all these people who have needs. You're trying to take care of your own family. You're praying for pretty much everybody. Who disciples you? It's a good question to ask. You have to be filled up. This is where we go back to the barrel of monkeys. I always have to be reaching up to someone who will disciple me and mentor me. And I got a text at 5.30 this morning from someone who lives in Colorado Springs telling me she was praying for me, and she has shepherded me for the last 30 years. But, and then I, because I, I'm willing to be transparent, we have to, have, we have to be willing. I don't know about you, but we become depleted spiritually, mentally, physically in ministry. Do you ever have church fatigue? Mm-hmm. Raise your hand. <laughs> I do. Do you feel like you're broken bread and spilled out wine? Who fills up your empty cup? How did Jesus fill back up? He got tired. He got frustrated with people. He went to his father. He went to his father first. And he prayed. And then he confided into them, those who were closest to him, Peter, James, and John. And then he hung out with the other uh, you know, apostles. And uh, he walked with them. He ate with them. He knew he needed to be filled up. How do you deal with major crises in your family? Where do you go when your world is rocked? I hope that you go to God first and then reach up to the safe people who are there for you.
Do you have someone who you can be transparent, transparent with? Do you have someone who can say, you know what, Kathy, you are a little bit off on this one. Or your attitude is a little not so right today. But you also need some cheerleaders. We need them. We all need them. Church leaders should be lifted up and encouraged, and we need to be in a safe place. Don't be a lone ranger. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. Stay spiritually hydrated. You know, at the end of our lives, the only thing that really matters is a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with his people. It's been said, those who leave everything in God's hands will eventually see God's hand in everything. God's absolute best to each one of you. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. Check out a few sample chapters from the book Dedicated, which we mentioned at the top of this show. It's for parents who want to train their children to trust and follow Jesus. Go to discipleship.org slash ebooks and look for the green cover and the title Dedicated. Thanks for listening. Until next time.